2: Guys, welcome to Beers and Breakevens, back for 2024, coming to you live from the CBA Centre of Excellence, joining me once again for another season, a season of redemption we're calling it for young Wimmy Tilliams. Welcome in, mate. It's good to be back, mate.
3: Um. First and foremost, let's um kick it off. Roo Studios, the uh, the CBA Center of Excellence. You've mm. you've done a pretty banging job. It's early days. There's a, a bit to come, and, and it's a big studio. About fourteen different sets you've got sorted for it. And it took me a bit to to get in today. Got through the security on the door. Got my stamp. Paid my entry. Hour and a half, two hours. They said not a minute longer, and then I'm out. But you've done all right.
2: Yeah, it's good, mate. We've got um, <coughs> Ruben Cotter sitting over there on the lounge. Sia Wong's playing Big Buck Hunter out there. <laughs> just, just all keeping it low-key out there for the big recording of the debut show. How good is it to be back?
3: It's so good to be back, mate. Uh, it's, it's been an awesome cricket season, covering all the Big Bash and all those good things. But back talking Rugby League for the new year, and in particular, NRL Supercoach, where where the passion lies, along mm. with the Supercoach Big Bash, but we love our NRL Supercoach. It's... As you said, it's a redemption year, got some work to do. I can't I can't face three in a row, so
2: yeah. In all seriousness, <clears throat> is there any threat of you winning a championship this year?
3: Well, mate, I've taken the high road in the last couple of years and you've taken advantage of my good nature. I've you know, I give you your trade advice, I tell you what to do with your team, I essentially do your trades for you. Thursday night, 7 p.m., you're calling me, you're calling me. I'm trying to sort out my own team. And you say, make sure I do this or this. And I'm happy to tell you, mate, like we've got a show together. You know, you're a good mate of mine. I mm-hmm. you know, pains me to say it a little bit, but you are. And I'm happy to help out. But, you know, you throw it back in my face two years in a row. By, I think year one, you, you got me by all of about 30 points overall, which is remarkable. Last year, it was a tower, Cola masterclass last two rounds. And you you got me those last, uh, last couple of weeks of last year. But... This year, the friendship's out the window. I'm going to stop looking after you because I'm sick of your arrogance and, yeah, let's go.
2: So, are you officially announcing 2024 there's no more excuses because I'm sick of them, to be completely honest with you. Guru, there's always excuses.
3: <laughs> <laughs> and there's always room to make up new ones.
2: <laughs> now, speaking of uh, new people and, you know, people trying very hard and whatnot, we have got uh, someone new joining us this season uh, who will be announced in a couple of weeks, The Rook. The Rook. The um, now the Rook uh the Rook's had a rocky start mm. to be fair. Uh yeah. the Rooks the Rooks are it, it's been rocky. We'll, we'll we'll leave it at that. But I'm confident the Rook comes good this season. I'm backing the Rook in <laughs> to beat you. I'd love a betting market on it. Rattled
3: early the Rook. Uh, and that's okay, mm. you know. We all everyone has their I'm a, I'm a slow started a super coach. The uh, the Rook could be a slow starter this year. We'll see and Look, if, if said Rook wants to, to take my advice this year and follow my trades, just like you have the last two years, very well could beat me. You know, would, Does the Rook want to take the high road and, and do some of the own trades and all that? <laughs> I don't know.
2: I don't know. Matty Buxton reminds me of a wish version of the Rook too. Yeah.
3: Rooks generally improve. Maddie Buxton is kind of stagnated in mm. Rook territory. Without and where
2: better right. to bring the rook up than the CBA Centre of mm. Excellence, mm. following in the footsteps yeah. of some of the greats Isaac Tungo, the Samoan Reg Gaznia, <laughs> Ruben Cotter, origin out of nowhere, and of course, Jaman Hopgood, one of the greats.
3: Yeah, it's a, surely at, at some point you, you've got to have, like, across the walls just these golden plots. the the equivalent of the platinum albums of the graduates from the CBA and just across the walls.
2: I think it'd be a good touch. Yeah, I collected um, some hair off Jermaine Hopgood the <laughs> other day, so I've got that in a bag somewhere to put up. And, uh, next to your bed. Next to my bed. Yeah, exciting times. Uh, but biz and break evens, we are back for season 2024. Today's episode, a bit of a vibe. Yeah. yeah we're sort of just going to dip our toe into the pool. Uh, some lessons we learned from last year. We both learned a lot of lessons from last year. I think um, – I'm not one to toot our own horn, but I'm about to toot away. I think we had a lot of lessons reconfirmed last year as well, which we'll touch on, especially in the back end of the Mm. season. Uh, We're going to then go through a couple of eye catches from the preseason and then a couple of guys that, in our opinions, are potentially getting a little bit too much hype. So, heap to get stuck into. Do you want to take us through a lesson or something that stands out from you from 2023,
3: mate? Yeah, exciting times, mate, at one, obviously, and... It's we will we vibing it quite hard. Obviously how to look through the, the fact NRLC doesn't officially launch, it's generally about Australia day each year where everyone gets access to the game. <coughs> Pardon me. <coughs> so as we can see, twelve months. Good on. that some things don't yeah, change. I was say, it's fantastic something, to see. Something's never changed. With these morning recordings, the poor old old throw, that's a that's an improving factor this year. Um, it's eleven
2: AM for those playing
3: at home, so <laughs> Very it's early, midday. Early morning. <laughs> um you know, coming off a of big, I said, cricket season, content-wise, gone through all the players, all the prices, all that, but the next week or so, SC Playbook in particular, the content's going to launch hard, predicted 17s, all those good things, you just get ahead head around it, so we are going to vibe it. And what we learnt from last year, mate, one thing that <clears throat> has come up for me big time the last two seasons, one of them being a telling factor and you dust me up last year, another one probably heard us the year before, I'm very conservative in trading in and out players with injury risk. Yep. And I think I've been a little too conservative with that the past couple of seasons. And there are some key examples of that. Two years ago, Latrell Mitchell killed us that back end of the year. He came back from injury. He had a tough draw and we sort of just said, look, coming up against these tough teams, it's going to take a bit of time to find his feet. Concern there, came out and killed it. Kalen Ponga hurt me last year because I was concerned about his injury history, in particular the concussions and all of that. Nico Hines, one of your best mates, about round five last year and and we avoided him last year coming back from a calf injury because I think he had a game coming back from injury and then a bye and we sort of said, look, he's coming back from a calf injury. It's going to take time. He's not going to hit the ground running. He did with about 180-point score or something. I think that I just flat out said he sucks and you shouldn't go anywhere. Something like that, yeah. From memory, yeah. You win some, you lose more. But the way I'm just going to approach it this year is I I think the reality is it's a long season with these star players. Clubs aren't going to risk them if they think there's a higher chance of aggravating any injuries or anything like that. So when I say that I'm going to be... Unless you're the Dragons. Yeah. yeah. Well, there's also... And time and place for that. If you're a team that is decimated by injuries and they're struggling to get a strong squad out there, you might have to, or if it's the back end of the year and you're trying to win a game to make finals, they're going to play it. And there's different time and place for it, but generally speaking. And when I say that I'm going to be a little bit less cautious around players returning from injury, high upside guys. So it's the blokes like the three that I mentioned, Ponga, Nico Hines, Troy Mitchell, who they can come out and score their 150 pluses and really hurt you. Not only does it hurt you on the scoreboard, but their price can get out of range really quickly, which has happened to me in recent years. So if it's a guy who's going to come out and punch out their 60 to 80 and they might make a little bit of cash and score okay, I will 100% avoid that injury risk and not go near them. But there's high upside guys I need to, to be – take a little bit more of a gamble and probably put a bit more faith in the clubs that you know they, they can look after these guys.
2: I think we're an interesting <laughs> uh, mix like that, that you're notoriously more of a safer super coach player. I mm. notoriously take – more risks sure. Uh, and I I personally think we both probably need to meet a little bit more Mm. in the middle. I mean, at the end of the day, you know, in hindsight, the Kohler move is fucking fantastic but if he would have come out and just averaged what he's averaged the last few years and gone 40-40, it's a completely different conversation all of a sudden which is where the risk paid off that time but if it wouldn't have, it's a completely different fucking story.
3: He could have gone 30-30 and shot your season. Yeah. That being said...
2: It was a very calculated gamble. Yes. Yeah. And it paid off. But yeah, exactly right. But there was plenty that I took throughout the season that weren't overly calculated. Um, I don't want to uh, put the spotlight on anyone in particular. No Dragons fullbacks or Melbourne Storm <laughs> replacement fullbacks that came in for 24 hours. But there were a number of bed shits throughout the year that I probably didn't <clears throat> need to do.
3: One thing that you said to me pre show, I was really happy to hear it. I said, still at a decent price. I go, mate. You, cola's got to be on your radar for round one this year. And you said, "No, he's not." I said, "You're learning." I'm said, "I said, yeah, you're thinking with your head and not your heart." For yeah. for the first time, as far as I'm concerned, so it's good to see your uh, your evolution.
2: Cola will forever be immortalized <coughs> in the beers and break evens chronicles, yeah. but uh, yeah, not for me to start the season, um, mate. I think obviously coming off the back of last season, uh. Just having trades at the back end, and we we harped on about this all fucking season. And I, it blew me away to be honest with you, Timmy. How many people got to the back end of the season and were shocked that players were getting rested? Mm. It's it, it, like how you don't see that coming. I is beyond me. Um, I like you have to prepare for it. You have to be ready for it. Players that are scoring well in Super Coach shock me. They tend to be good players. Shock <laughs> me. Good players tend to be in good teams. <clears throat> sort your shit out, prepare for it, be ready for it. And I personally think we spoke about it at the end of last year as well. By the time we got to the last round, you know, the Warriors, they rested players everyone blew up about that. In what world were the Warriors, we said it all fucking it's coming season. from a mile away. Oh, mate, and everyone told me, oh, the coach said this, the coach <coughs> said that, good as gold. The coach would be a complete and utter fucking moron to send everyone to Brisbane before they play Penrith the week before, just apply some common sense and think it through. I personally think most of us got away with it pretty well at the end of last season because the Panthers didn't rest players in the last week. Yeah, The other top four teams did, as they fucking should. We need to be prepared for this.
3: Yeah, it'll be rinse and repeat for me throughout the preseason and any sort of longer-term beers and Brahims listeners, SC Playbook listeners will know – I harp on over and over again about playing the long game. And that long game is around building depth in your squad, building team value and having numbers importantly for the back end of the season. then I might la my worst super coach season by a mile in a long time. Last year, I finished it was pretty well 4,000 on the dot, mm. but the last two weeks when there were restings and, and injuries and people had no trades left and, I had catered for this a little bit better than, than most with, you know, some trades up the sleeve for emergencies. In that period of the year, I made some big inroads those final two rounds. Yep. It could have been disastrous had I not done so. You flew those last few yep. rounds. Off the back of Toletail Cola, we both got Cherry Evans who went really big because we had trades up the sleeve. Yep. And Cola sent you from like 4,000 to like 1,500 or something in the space of two weeks. Some other good players as well, obviously, but he was the big one because big one. you had that trade up your sleeve. He had two remarkably good matchups with Manly. And, you know, my approach as super coach isn't going to change much this year because, you know, what I've done the last four, five, six years has worked well and I'm happy with it, but there's always tweaks and you can always learn from it. One thing that will not be changing is my approach to playing the long game. And again, I'll speak about it throughout the preseason, but I will. More than likely, like every year, take a hit early because I build a a wider, stronger squad of 25 players rather than going hard at those 17. And at all, it'll pay off in the long run.
2: I had a really interesting conversation with a guy the other day. uh, and I think it's something worth considering as well that, you know, when we're doing beers and break-evens here – we we will tend to save trades for the back end. And he said to me, he goes, it's really hard because I'm always consuming super coach content because there's so many people out there producing fantastic content. And he said to me, I think that sometimes content creators tend to use trades earlier because it's entertaining. Mm. It's all that sort of stuff. And he goes, I have been caught in that trap before. And he said to us, I like the way that you guys stick to your plan, stick to your process and play the whole 27 rounds and we came home strong last year, which I'm confident we will come home strong mm. again this year. So something to just keep in mind, don't get don't get taken up by the trades every single week, all the entertainment and all that sort of shit that comes out of it. Just stick to your plan. I think it is very evident you don't win Supercoach early. Yeah. You avoid catastrophes early, but you yeah. win it late.
3: Yeah, look, mate, we're in a very fortunate position. We can sit here and have a bit of a yarn about – about forty and about super coach, and hopefully along the way we can provide a bit of entertainment and help people with their their teams and their trades. But at the end of the day, I am a competitive prick by nature, yep. and I am here to get my supercoach side as highly ranked as I can at the end of the year. And I'm not going to burn terrible trades throughout the year as a result of getting a bit a few extra 100%. listens on the podcast. So yep. I, I like the trades that I say at the end of the the show each week and leading into it. Sure, they might change leading into the round uh, because we get new information across a Wednesday, across a Thursday, across a Friday. But I'm as transparent as I can be because that's what I'm doing. And if that's saving trade, that'll be, it'll happen again. I'll be saving trades throughout the
2: year. 100%, yeah, and I'm exactly the same. I don't like you and I want to be. Yeah,
3: I mean, this year more than ever, after two years of getting done and dusted, I'm like, <laughs> there'll be no holding back, mate.
2: Don't call it a dynasty. <laughs> All right, mate, something else uh, that I think I learnt last year and to be fair to us, I think we did sort of say it in last year's preseason. We sort of thought that the panic around buys was going to be a little bit overrated and I personally think it was massively overrated. What are your thoughts?
3: Overrated, yes, not massively overrated. I think, look again... If you've got squad depth and you've got twenty five active players, you can cover a week where a popular team like like the Penrith Panthers, where you might have three or four players from, when they have the bye, If you've got twenty five active players, you can cover it fine. If you go too hard and you you have you know cheapies who may or may not play, and then blokes getting injured, all sorts of things, and, and you don't build this depth, well, you're going to struggle on the week to week buys because when a team with three or four of your players is out, you'll be short on numbers you'll be short on quality. But, yeah, it was it was a great the first year in a long, long time where there'd been a buy every single week of the round in years, uh, how that all played out. And, yeah, you don't need to stress too much about it. But at the same time, it, there was importance for me.
2: Yeah, I, I, I think people overplayed it a little bit. I think people overworried about it. I And you know what? Maybe fair, maybe we just managed it well. Mm. But looking back, I really don't remember any time where the buys cost me. Well you're okay, sure that much. Yeah. So maybe we did manage for it. But yeah, I, I think that people are over panicking. I think like early rounds, it's important, especially round one, like Tigers round one by. Thank fuck, there's not many relevant players <laughs> at the Tigers. God, the Tigers. Bro, could you imagine if the Raiders had the round one by and we're trying to work out who all these cheapies yeah. are? Um, that would be very tough. I guess this season, mate, especially the start, is gonna be very interesting. Mm. Las Vegas teamless over two weeks. Um, are you assuming that the Tuesday before Vegas, we get the four teamless, yep. those players go to Vegas, they get locked, then we get the rest of the teamless?
3: Yeah, I, I'm thinking that's how it'll play out. And Look, I haven't thought through it thoroughly how it's going to impact Supercoach. As you said, what, four teams, they, a squad of 25, you know, you might have... Five players from those teams. The thing about those teams is they're strong NRL teams. They're strong super coach teams. Yeah. So that's the impact. If they were dud sides, you'd be like, all right, not too much is going to change, but they're good sides. So we might have five to six lock into our teams. Yeah. I'll need to sit through and work through it all a lot more uh, in coming weeks to really get a grasp on how it's going to impact our early teams. But as I said, when those players are locked, then we get the following team list the the next Tuesday –
2: I don't think it'll be too big an impact, will it? I, I think it'll just be interesting to see. Manly, I'm not overly <coughs> concerned with. I don't think anyone really jumps out of the ground there. <coughs> the Brisbane Broncos are interesting. I, I think that we will all end up with a Broncos front row forward in our super coach <coughs> side. Uh, there's a couple of guys to choose from there, which we'll talk about today. That'll be one interesting spot. And if you pick the wrong one there, because you you know, the, the, you know, there could be guys that are named to start in Vegas, they get to Vegas and they end up playing the first 25 minutes and don't come back on and then all of a sudden you've wasted one of your front row forward spots, the roosters back row is going to be super interesting. Very interesting. Because I assume someone's going to be named a partner, Nat Butcher. We're probably all going to buy that person. Once again, might get over to Vegas and they play 45 minutes and then come on as a middle forward later. And not only are we completely fucked in that rooster spot, when we get to the next Tuesday and there's eight really good second rowers to present yourselves, You can't get them all because you've used a spot on a Chook's back rower. Um, South Sydney, once again, back rowers. If Talas Duncan's named to start the back row and we all want to buy him, we get there and he plays 45 minutes, (laughs) we're in trouble again. Mm. So, yeah, there there are a few interesting points going over to Las Vegas that I think – I don't think it's going to be catastrophic, but I think it could get hairy if it all doesn't go to plan.
3: I think realistically it'll be – where possible, try and avoid those teams because, as you said, we don't get to look at the team list. So, you know, if you lock in four, five, six players, what are you missing out on from team list the following week? So you yep. want to stay as flexible as you can for that following week. The other thing is, and we've sort of spoken about it off-air a fair bit, just the toll that's going to take on these players. They yep. obviously have <clears> – <throat> that's round zero, the two games. Round one, there'll be six games and the teams in Vegas have the buy. They'll have that extra week to, to rest, but Buddy bloody long flight over to Vegas. It, you know, let's call cool it is. They're going to be hooting and hollering on the piss over there. It's going to be a big week or however long they're over there for, yeah. and I'd be surprised if it didn't take a bit of a toll. When we do get into the nitty-gritty of it, it's a smaller field they're playing. Is it five metres smaller Mate, or It's five
2: metres thinner. That's <clears throat> massive. Mm. Like, for me, I I will not be even looking at a captain or a VC of a, like, strike player over mm. there forward i can maybe understand it
3: yeah it, it, the work rates could go through the roof you yep. would expect off the back of that probably less points early in the year possibly a forward especially especially maybe the cheeky little well maybe not a vc for forward, but uh, again another impact as i said the problem is that they're, they're four good nrl teams with super coach
2: upside so it'll be very interesting i, mate, I don't hate the vc in vegas <laughs> I, I probably won't do it myself But I can understand your logic if you do. Can you imagine the base stats, your pain asses, your nap butchers, these sort of guys of the world, your Cam Murrays are going to get over there? Cam Murray could be 100% VC'd when everyone buys him in real one. It could be very interesting. You'll also get... And, you know, you have a look at round one scores over the last couple of years. Like they're like these big-time players are always lower than mm. their season average. I went through it the other day. Like it's the first four weeks, it's always a very tight competition. Scores are always lower. You don't get too many huge blowouts. Um, It'd so- be
3: very rare, wouldn't it? Like big blowouts in like – I know just on gut feel years and years, like it's always tied early on in the competition. Teams are pretty close to full strength. You've done a bit of the digging.
2: Yeah. There wouldn't be many. Oh, mate, I, I went through a couple of key players and looked at their first round, not their first four games of the season, their first round one to four um, and went through those teams and had a look at key players and that and how their super coach scores were. They're all down on averages, yeah. all down on season averages. And obviously those games are taking into their season average as well. So, um, you know, the outlier was Nico Hines, for example, last year. His first four games, he averaged 100 odd, but his first game was in round four. Yeah. So that... That already that defensive mindset has already started to ease off. So, I, yeah, I, I don't hate the idea of a VC, uh, like a forward guy over there. But, mate, I would not yeah. even be considering your Tedescos, your Walkers, your Latrells, your Turbos of the world over there. I'm, I'm going to wait till they get home.
3: Yeah, no, I, I'm not keen on them either. I said maybe a few, few forwards from those sides, but – We'll get into draws yeah. throughout the preseason, but I know the Broncos in particular have a really tough start to the season. So that makes them even tougher prospects. Yeah. So Maybe a couple of forwards, but attacking wise, yeah. I'm early early instinct says and early thoughts are that trying to avoid
2: those teams where possible. Yeah. I think as well worth noting to the NRL's credit, um, the teams in Vegas, I think they all play each other round two. And some of them play each other in round three as uh, well. Good from them. So a little bit of an advantage that you're not coming up against Aussie teams. But you take Brisbane for example. I think they go Roosters, South Sydney Panthers, Penrith. Yeah, very tough. Yeah, <sighs> fucking brutal. Um, but if you were playing Penrith week two, coming off a trip to Vegas, that'd be very tough. At least you're playing another Vegas yeah. team. Um, yeah. Anything else heading into 2024? You've taken from 2023.
3: Not, uh, what have we got? Probably not as much taken from last year, but approach-wise to <clears throat> to 2024, I just want to play, you mentioned before about finding that balance between a conservative approach and an aggressive approach. Yeah. I'm just going to try play a little more aggressively this year. And when I say that, I mean taking some more probably calculated gambles. Mm. I, as I said, not a terrific season last year, but... Results year on year, last five, six years or whatever it's been, have been solid. So I'm not going to throw my approach out due to one year that was down in ranking a little bit. But I just want to be a little bit more aggressive. And by that I mean I want to – I always back my instincts 100% in NRL Supercoach and i try not to take too, too much in from other views and whatnot. I'll back my gut and go with it. But I don't always do it necessarily in an aggressive manner. Yeah. So I almost want to be like looking at – things like a, a captaincy during a week and it might be a player who's 90% skippered and then I go, all right, well, I've got this bloke in my team who's at 5% captaincy and I weigh up their matches and go, I think the bloke at 5% is every chance to outscore him. I rank their fixtures similar, their output, et cetera, da, da, In the past, maybe I've gone, just play safe, don't risk the other bloke getting 180 and just getting left behind. Back myself Go the left field skipper and let it run because I think you can get so much out of that and going the occasional – I've never shied away from going a super pod at 5% or 10% or whatever it might be. But in the back of your mind, there's always that, well, what if you get hurt or something goes wrong? I kind of want to go, you know, no, particularly an attacking upside player and go, the base is solid and they can belt out a 150 pass on any given day. Mm. I want to blow teams out of the park and take that game. As I said, calculated. I'm not going to do it because a bloke can score three or four tries and a good fixture on the end of a good back line. But if they've got a decent base, they've got some decent fixtures, and just go for it. Like I said, I'm not sitting there saying I'm going to start the season with 10 plays at 3% ownership on my team, but
2: just be a little bit more aggressive. This really excites me. I'm excited to see because, like, like the Tim Williams that I know is obviously a massive fucking coward who just <laughs> never backs himself, never has a red hot crack. So I'm really excited to see how this goes. Yeah, could be all talk as well, mate. Could, could round... I've got. I didn't want to say it. Could be. Could get to round one. I've just got every top one player. <laughs> I think Safety Sam returns in round one, but we'll see. I, I, I'm here. I'm mm. all. I'm all for so. you rolling the dice a little bit this yeah. year. But you're right, mate. Like uh, I don't like to say it about you too often, but. You know, last year was a really bad year for you. You finished 4000 mm. Conservative it works.
3: And that's what I mean, conservative works. Yeah. So I'm like, why would I stray too far away from what's worked for a long time? I'm yeah. not going to,
2: but a little bit more aggressive. Yeah, for sure. Forty five grands overrated anyway. <laughs> <He's> um, <overrated. laughs> let's move to uh, eye catchers. So some guys that have caught your eye, do you want me to kick off with <clears throat> some or you, you yeah, want yeah, to run away?
3: Go, go one for one.
2: Uh, One guy that I absolutely love everything about this guy. I've spoken about him a lot. I think he's sitting out there on the lounge (laughs) waiting patiently for me to return. Uh, Seo Wong. I am very excited about him, mate. And he is a guy that I think has just got so much untapped potential. 18 months ago, I said he was a forward. You could build an entire pack around over a decade and I stand by it. Uh, And I think you saw finals time last year. Some of the shit he did on the biggest stages under the brightest lights when the Roosters needed him to stand up, he was tremendous. Um, he is, I think, the closest thing that we have seen to Sonny Bill since Sonny Bill.
1: Ooh. I'm huge
2: on him. It was a big rap, but then at the end, Sonny Bill, bang. Are you Closest thing we've seen. I think the way that he moves, the way that he offloads, the way that he carries, he just reminds me so much of Sonny. Are you expecting
3: him to come in and play an 80-minute edge back row role? I'm hoping right? he
2: does, but I'm also more than willing to cop that I'm biased on this kid, 100%. Um, You've got to remember that it, within that squad, there is a Kangaroos back rower in Angus Crichton. Mm. If we see the best out of Angus Crichton, I think Angus Crichton has the runs on the board to get it. I think Nat Butcher is reasonably safe. I think he will be there. I think he's just done a job for the last few years. Um, Stili is there as well. Who good for round one? What's that? Is he good for round one? I believe so. Yeah. And I, I sort of thought Stili Tupanula probably wouldn't be at the club for much longer just because of how much talent they have in the back row. Mm. He Mm. re signed for two years the other day, right? Which sort of blew me away. So, yeah, I, I don't know how it all plays out. Um, but I think Wong is the guy with the highest ceiling
3: there. 462k, price is terrific. Early look is that the not at like a ton of value across the game early on. Cheapies, I think we say this every preseason this far out that oh, we're lacking a little, a few cheapies here and there, and it always changes once the trials are done, once yeah. the round one teams come out. Uh, back row looks a, a place to me where there's a, f- a fair bit of mid range value, and uh, Wong is one that's definitely on the radar, especially if he can
2: land that. 80-minute role on the edge. For sure. I think uh, this year, especially in the two RFs, as you said, made a lot of mid-rangers. I think this is going to really suit a lot of experienced super coaches. I think this is going to be a really tough year to come in for your first season of super coach because you're going to – I think that we're all going to sort of feel like we're not making a heap of money and you're going to feel like you're <coughs> the only one that's in that boat. But I think everyone's going to be mm-hmm. in a very similar boat. Yeah, it is. It is. It's –
3: and as I said, so much is going to change between now and round zero. Can it? You, you're tough getting used to saying that. Heaps yeah, stuff, r- yeah. In round zero, um, but the good thing about this, without like, if there's not a ton of cheapies, and there's no standouts. There are a few gun players who are very, very high prices. Ponga, Hind, Cleary. You no, know, we can't have everyone. Hopefully, lead to some relatively diverse teams to start the season. Yeah which is so exciting for Supercoach because we don't want to all start the year with the same 25-man squad.
2: So I'm hoping there's a bit of diversity. And I think (laughs) that at the moment it doesn't feel like there's many cheapies, but I think by the time we get there, you know, if we can get a Talis Duncan out of South Sydney, um, if we can get one or two out of the Raiders, which fucking surely we've got to get at least one out of the Raiders. Um, Big worry there is Seb Chris returns in round four, so Ricky Stewart could dry fist all of us in the most Ricky Stewart fashion of all fucking time. Um, The Broncos, we will get a forward out of there. Tigers, hopefully we get a halfback or a 5'8 sort of emerges there. So I think that when we – and, mate, there's always curly ones thrown in there. There's always like – like I I remember coming into the preseason last year, like I was talking about Jackson Ford, but I didn't think he'd land an 80-minute edge. Yeah. All of a sudden we get to week two and we're going, fuck Jackson Ford, how good. Like there will be guys uh, that will emerge. I mean, you know, a ball hasn't been kicked in a trial yet. Uh, we will have injuries. We will have there's so there will be so many things that do emerge. And when I ever look through those, you know the depth of each position. Fuck, there's some talented blokes sitting on the fringes that if oh, yeah. they do get in, we're gonna be flying. So yeah. a lot will change. Wong's my first guy I had on my list, mate. Who have you got, mate? A bloke that I know
3: you're pretty keen on, and I'm pretty happy to say my first picked player this year, Sean Lane. Starts the, the year priced at $446,000, four forty six dollars ki should say. 10 games last year, averaged 61 minutes, an injury-played year, averaged 44 points. The year prior, in 77 minutes per game, averaged 69 points per game. That was a breakout year for him, that 2022, where it was just outstanding. Such an important piece of that Paramount puzzle, back-forming that Combination with Dylan Brown, full-time this year. I expect an 80-minute edge back row role. Heaps of
2: attacking upside, straight into my team. Yep, and I think he should come straight in with Dylan Brown (laughs) for me. I'll be having both of them in my side. Geez, you love a combination. I love a combo, Mm. yeah. I I think half-back rower, if you're going to back a back rower in to do well, if you're going to back a a back rower like Sean Lane with attacking upside, why not go Dylan Brown? He's
3: so cheap. Are you thinking Dylan Brown at... 780k to start at 5.8?
2: I'm not thinking he's locked in. I will have Ooh. Dill Brown. I, assuming Sean Lane starts on the left edge, which I think it's pretty safe to say, mm. I will have both of them. Uh, you look at Sean Lane, as you said, 69 average in 2022. Yeah, he scored a heap of tries that year. He's fucking eight foot seven. He's going to score tries. Yeah. It's going to happen. He's got attacking upside. Um, he's coming back from injury. I hear all this shit from people. Let's say he is... 13 points below his average from 2022, which is a pretty big jump down. It still puts him at like a 55 average base with a price at 43. It's huge. Barring injury, I do not see how you go wrong. Yeah, I I, I think it's slam dunk, this one.
3: Absolute worst case. He somehow doesn't make money.
2: He's not going to lose money. Yeah. So safe. Yeah, and you get the great 5'8 there. I just – I think Sean Lane's close to an automatic – um, let's talk about a guy out of the Canterbury Bulldogs that I think we both think is going to be very interesting. Joshi Curran, heading over from the New Zealand Warriors, a former Wyong Kangaroo, moved over to New Zealand. Um, I said it for the last two years. I don't understand why Josh Curran didn't play more footy over there. It almost looked like a personality clash or something to me. There had to be more to that because... He was consistently almost better than the guys he always came in for, in my opinion. He arrives at Canterbury, who I'm still waiting for gustering me if I want to be a middle forward over there. They are <laughs> lacking plenty. If he's not third and I'll give it away. Yeah, they're
3: so short on middles. They've had like a well-publicised massive drive in the off-season to, to try and find middles. They're just not available. They're yep. not out there. Missed out on forno Blake for 2025. Obviously not going to impact this season. But Josh Curran at 421k to start the season. He's a great price. So much attacking upside. <clears throat> he's a good worker. Trials will be a key watch. Round one team will be a key watch. In particular, the bench, even if he is named to start, depending on which way they want to go with that. But we know if the minutes are there, he's a big option. And the other thing with Curran... So good on the edge, solid in the middle. The dogs need middle, so that's where he probably plays. Every chance he starts at lock in round one. know, if there is an injury to an edge, he could all of a sudden become an 80-minute edge back rower at any point. Very keen.
2: Mate, if we get to round one and he's named on the bench, I think I'm still going to have him in my time. So just because I know how good he is and I know it's a matter of time until he gets there. He'll need to be starting for me. He's a good price, but
3: there's also – I look a lot into history and – when things don't add up with players, and this is not a knock on Josh Curran as such, but we sat there for so long on, why is Curran not playing more minutes? Why isn't Curran not playing more minutes? And maybe that was just a preference for the Warriors, but he was struggling to make the 17 at times. Mm. So while I'm with you and I have high expectations for him, and I think he probably starts round one at lock, probably be in my super coach team. If he's not named to start and he's playing off the bench,
2: I'll be holding off. Sam, round one, Josh. Thanks for joining the team, brother. <laughs> Cannot wait to have you on board this year. Uh, Mate, another guy that I'm very interested in, which I think might be a little bit of a pod play this year to start. um, Mate, this Terrell May at the Sydney Roosters. Mm. I just love everything about him. His minutes a worry. Fucking oath, it's a worry. It is a huge concern. His minutes keep me awake at night. (laughs) But I look at his stats from last year And I look at how he performed in those big games for the Sydney Roosters. The Roosters got to the finals. They had JWH and Lindsay Collins. Terrell May was the guy they were looking to. He was the guy they were relying on through the middle. Um, I said pre-show to you. I wish he would stop telling everyone that he wants to leave (laughs) and he wants to go anywhere else, but you can't win them all. Um, Terrell May, in games where he played 40 minutes plus, he averaged 58 last season. And a lot of those games are 41, 42-minute games as well. Um, I am a huge, huge fan, and he's a guy that I will seriously consider starting with. I think that we'll talk about Spencer Lenu soon. I think people are talking about the wrong Roosters front row. Yeah,
3: look, I certainly prefer May to Spencer Lenu. Yeah, Lenny for starters. Can't wait to see him at the Roosters. But for years and years at the Penrith, he's had all his success. Ivan Cleary has been so reluctant to play in bigger minutes. Even when people have been out through origin period, through injuries, all sorts of things, he has remained an explosive bench option in 35 to 40 minutes max. That's his style. He's an explosive bench player. He comes on, he changes the game. I don't think that'll change massively at the Roosters, maybe a little bit, but if it does, maybe might be by like five minutes. I don't see how too much changes. Terrell May, round 27 last season, 65 points. 51 minutes, 61 in base. How many minutes is he going to get this year? We do not know. Played 15 games. He starts this season at 430K, so a really good price. Another massive one on round one team lineup, what it looks like. He scored at 1.27 points per minute last year, which is outstanding in 33 minutes per game. So he probably need to get to a minimum 40 minutes per game ideally 45 per game yep. to make it worthwhile. I mean,
2: ideally he gets 80. It'd be nice if you're listening, Trent Robinson. That'd be wonderful. Which I'm sure it? you are. Easy score, right? He would go well. So, yeah.
3: yeah, look, I'm I'm interested in him. I'm not going out of my way to say I'd be on a round one team because I don't know at this stage. There's a lot to play out. But yeah, as you alluded to, just minutes are the issue because how many more than 33 from last year is he going to get?
2: Yeah, and that's a big worry with the Roosters <clears> that – and, you know, I see some people say, oh, yeah, but they'll they'll only have three forwards on their bench. It's like, sure. But when Connor Smith or Sandon Smith – Connor Smith. <laughs> Gordon, Smith when look, yeah. Connor Watson or Sandon Smith come onto the field, Cheese comes off and he turns into a middle forward as well. So it's not really a three-forward bench at the end of the day. Mm. It's four forwards, yeah. realistically. Um, but I just think Terrell May is just going to be so important to this side. Um, I'm huge on him. From Terrell May to Talon May, I love him at CTW this year. It's a marathon. Coming
3: back from a lengthy injury layoff, what's
2: he? Well, stuck? he's coming back off the lengthiest layoff anyone's ever had. Pretty mm. much, I look at him, um, and he was obviously one of the guys that I was very high on before he came into first grade. Twenty twenty two, he averaged sixty four points that season. Uh, he's priced at about a forty point average this year. Uh, I mate. And you know what? Maybe he doesn't average 64. Probably doesn't coming off injury. It's a good point. Let's say he drops that by eight and averages 56 Mm. in that Penrith side. I mean, even if his output slows down a little bit, he's still going to be scoring tries in that side.
0: Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments.
1: Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com acast and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com acast.
2: I really like him heading into this season. And if he, if he was, you know, just coming up on the nine-month period post his ACL and all that. It's been a long time, which I I think matters. And, mate, over the last five years, name me a club that has brought players back from injury better, Yeah, the Penrith Panthers. So, sorry, we're thinking starts left centre? I don't know. That's the other thing that we need. I I reckon he's every chance to start right centre. There's Isaac Tungo and him that will play in the centre spots. That's assuming they don't go peachy or Alamotti, which I don't believe they will. I think May will be in front of both of those guys. Uh, I think it's very evident just when you eyeball Taylor May in training photos and everything, he's got bigger. I think he's preparing to play centre this year.
3: Yeah, well, it'll it'll be, yeah, Taruva and Toto
2: and then Taylor May. You you would assume so, but I mean, like, Taruva's been fantastic. He's a very good player, but fucking Taylor May had that spot locked down before then too. I think it makes more sense to move Taylor May to the centres. Don't get me wrong. Yeah. Uh, But I think Taylor May is a certainty to be in that starting side. But but those four will be there. Those four will be there. Yeah, yes. Wherever that might be. Isaac Tungo played a little bit of right centre as we got to the end of Mm. of last season, obviously. Uh, But, I mean, he traditionally is a left centre, has been a left side player coming through the juniors and everything. I wouldn't be surprised at all. If Taylor May lines up at right centre outside Nathan Cleary, thanks for coming.
3: Yeah, I don't mind him either way. Another one. Look, he said it's been a massive layoff, so he'll be right. He'll be good to go. He's in a gun team. He gets a massive price reduction having not played last season. If he plays on the wing and Taruva goes to center, which I feel like twelve months ago was initially the. the I plan. wouldn't rule it out. Yep. Yeah, it was initially the plan for life after the Critter. Straight in my team on yep. the wing for the Panthers, at center. Very interested. But a lot of peel goes away for me.
2: Yeah, it doesn't for me, because I know how he plays. Yeah. His base stats won't drop. He'll still do a stack of work there for yeah. me. So I'm very confident on him. We'll see how it plays out. Obviously, he at the end of the day, he is a guy coming back from injury. Need to watch him in trials. But uh I think there's every chance ACL I end up two.
3: Specifically, plays. is where the issue lies. Yeah. And that the numbers around was it probably 12 months ago now. It might have been the start of last season. And NRL physio threw something out about there'd been like one player in four or five years, I'm trying to remember what it was, who'd come back from an ACL injury and bettered their average from when they left. And I think it was Luke Keary one year or something. So yeah. a largely relevant player. Not saying he can't and not saying he won't, but it's a pretty damning stat.
2: Yeah, it is. But I also think that people look <clears throat> too far into that stat. I'm not telling you he's going to average more. Mm. I'm telling you he's going to average less. Yeah. But priced at a 40 average, if he averages 10 less than what he did in his first season in the NRL, it's still a 54 average. Yeah. Same as Sean Lane. Like, with um, upside. With upside, 100%. In the best team we've ever fucking seen. Well, I think people get too carried away with that stat that guys are returning from injury, they go, oh, can't go near him, can't do it. It's like, well, if they're priced low enough, there is still a lot to gain there. Yeah, yeah. Heaps to gain there. And yes, you know, for that stat that physio has, and I, I, I love Fizz, and I agree with everything he says pretty much, you know, Taylor May, if, if this year he averages 63, that'll make it 250K and the stat will still work next year and we say, oh, he averaged less than the year before. That's big from you calling uh, Fizz a fraud. Fuck that guy. <laughs> <laughs> no, I love Fizz, yeah. Shout out to you, Brian. I, I just think sometimes, and I see it in, the, in my comments all the time when I'm talking about these sort of guys that are coming back from injury that are lower priced, people go, oh, they're not going to be as good as they were. Yeah, I agree with you. Yeah. But they'll still be fucking good. But the key to Taylor May is he...
3: Didn't play last year. So he's come out from injury, but he gets the massive price reduction. Yes, There exactly. are players who are coming back from injury, but they played – Is it? I think it's below six games or below eight games, whatever they get to They might have played 10. They don't get a reduction. He's got a big reduction. So, he's got it. Yeah, for sure. Yeah.
2: Um, any? you got any other eye catchers? Not
3: an eye – no, she is an eye catcher. Um, Morgan Smithies at the mm. Raiders. Uh, possibly the number one pre-season watch in terms of super coach – because he's priced at three forty-five k, which is very cheap for a bloke with an enormous motor. Yep. What role is he go- is he going to play at the Raiders? I expect him, provided he gets through the the trials, okay, which I'm sure he does, to start for for the Raiders. But then it's what minutes is he going to play? I don't. You'll you've got more to say because you've watched a, a shit ton of his highlights recently. I don't expect the world from him. I don't expect him to churn out attacking stats. But if he can get 60 to 65 minutes minimum. Big, big work rate. He will yep. tackle all day. He will run all day. You know, maybe there's a slight concern over if he becomes that ball playing lock <laughs> for the raids and he doesn't run as much. But if he does do that, he probably plays bigger minutes. So it kind of offsets it. At the price, two RF, very keen on him. If he looks underwhelming in the trials, I'll be happy to leave him out. But Another one where I don't see where you go too too far wrong at that price if
2: he's starting he and getting the minutes. Yeah, I don't think you can go too too wrong, but he has a few red flags for me. Uh, as you said, I've watched a heap of his stuff over the last few weeks, just trying to get a gauge on him. Um, he looks like a very up and down footballer to me. I had watched many highlights. I'm yet to see a tackle breaker and offload, but he gets through a fuckload of work. Hayden Tolman, absolute stalwart, mate. He did some good job for super coaches over the years, for sure. My big worry is. Corey Horse was not going to be there for the first three weeks. He's suspended. My worry is that we get three weeks in, and this fella. And you know what? If he base starts fifty, unreal, mm. fantastic. How much money is he going to make if he comes back and then plays less minutes once Corey Horse was in there? Mm. That's my worry. What I see Smithies as is a very good opportunity to watch him for the first three weeks, and I'm going to have four or five mid-range two RFs. Right? Are they all going to kick? Are they all going to be successful? Fuck no. I think he will be a very good downgrade option come week 3 or so. If we have a good idea of what his role is going to be, hopefully you'll be able to get a bit of intel from the campaigners. I don't think I start with him, but I think one of my two RFs that we all pick is sh- certainly to shit the bed and not too well for us. I reckon he'll be a nice little downgrade option.
3: Yeah, and that's where it's interesting because as I mentioned before, two RF seems like a bit of a hot spot to start yeah. the season. How are we going to fit everyone in? But I'm, I'm definitely interested at this stage. Could change. There is – it does reek of, as you said, making 60 to 70K, getting a tick over 400K and just plotting and going, oh, what have I achieved from this? Yeah. I can see that happening. So
2: big trial watch. Yeah, huge trial watch. Yep, for sure. Um, and to be fair – Every player, which isn't a heap of them, to be fair, but the players I've spoken to that have played with him in England, they all seem to love him.
3: Everyone wraps him galore. Raps him,
2: yeah. So I'm just going off the eye test what I'd seen. If I hadn't heard that from players, I would be a lot harsher. And he's not—he's obviously not an eye test player where you go, he's not busting tax, he's not
3: offloading, which is what we look for in Supercoach, yeah. to be fair. Very different to yeah, what
2: NRL, yes. NRL yeah. play.
3: However, they do all seem to say that he's got this enormous motor, He's got a ton of heart. Yep. He's an ultra competitor. This real Pommy sort of James Graham type mold. Gareth Ellis who just go and go and go. And that can lead some big base stats. So at the price, if it was 400 k, I'd be like, yeah, but 345, it's very cheap. Yeah, it
2: is very cheap. Yeah. And you look at your side, you're going to use two of your nine only hookers uh, that you've got in your squad. So it'll be a three forward bench. But the forward pack is very strong as mm. well. Zach Hosking joining the other day as well. So, so much to look at with the Canberra yeah. in the preseason. And it I is. do not want to watch them any more than I have to, which is upsetting me greatly. Mate, my last eye catcher, and this will probably sound stupid to people, but, fuck, Caelan Ponga. Bro, last year, when playing fullback, he averaged 105. He could be a borderline fucking cash cow KP. The other thing I love about KP is that that night side, it hasn't changed. Mm. Spine's the same. The only thing that has changed for him is that Lachlan Fitzgibbon goes away on that edge. I believe he'll have Tyson Brazil. That's an uptick for him, in my opinion. The only other change is that Dom Young isn't on the right edge and the reality is that the vast, vast majority of work, that KP does is on the left side. Um, I, I I think KP absolutely explodes again this year. He'd be my red-hot favourite for a back-to-back Dalyan. Yeah. If he stays conscious. <laughs> <laughs> always a big factor in winning daily M's. Yeah. Then again, last <laughs> year it wasn't, was it? it did no, anyway. he was, conscious. He was yeah, unconscious yeah. for half the year. He wasn't even in the country for yeah. half the year.
3: Didn't always kick goals last year yeah. either. So you can add that to it as well. As you said, like if, you know, Dom, Dom Young leaves from the right edge, so that, that edge weakens a little bit. That left edge, we had a bit of a chat about on the bloke potty on Monday, but... Maju best. If Frizzell ends up on that left edge as well, it is like, where's all the ball going to go? Yeah, It's going to go to the left edge. It's Ponga's strong left edge, stronger edge, I should say. He's going to be hard to ignore. I don't know if I could sit there for the first month of the season and have my 2024 season ruined by Caelan Ponga within a month after he destroyed it
2: last year. So just for that reason, I almost nearly have to start with him. Since goal-kicking... At the Newcastle Knights. It was the last eight or nine games of the season. He scored below 90, 90 once. Mm.
3: Are you? Do you currently have KP, Cleary, Nico in your team?
2: Yeah. Now, I – and it's a little bit hypocritical because I am very loud on – You're a dog, we know that. Yeah, I'm a out now. Started a long time ago. I am very loud on that. These guys, they probably won't have their highest scores to start the season, but once again, they are three guys that I know I'm going to want. They're three guys that I know I'm going to want for the entire season, and I am happy to start with them, and leave them there for the year.
3: Yeah, there's two things about that, and it's starting with top dollar players who probably aren't going to make cash. I said Ponga on last year's numbers that you just read out, he could make cash. Yeah. Nico, Cleary, their price at their peak, they could go up a bit. Like, we know they've got it in them. But realistically, you're paying top dollar for them. The difference about paying for these guys is, as opposed to particularly forwards and, and other players in the game, they've got this enormous upside where they've got their 150 pluses in them. Captains. If they've got this golden match up and they're flying and you captain them for one of their 150s or 180s, whatever it might be, enormous benefit. So, yeah, Ponga's – it's going to be a fun, fun position to talk about throughout the preseason fullback because there are a lot of great options, but KP, he's a freak.
2: What about the Rook over here, making some fucking noise? Rook,
3: uh, yeah, a little bit of –
2: Didn't get attention for 10 seconds and stuff throwing things around. I know. I'm just confident. Confident?
3: Yeah.
2: Reminds me a bit of you, actually. (laughs) Camera wasn't on you for a few seconds. Do something rogue. Buy KP for a million. Get the attention back on you. I just cough anytime I want the camera.
3: <laughs> <laughs> Loves the camera. It's not actually an issue. I just want the camera.
2: <laughs> um. Yeah, KP. Yeah, I am starting with KP and a couple of those big dogs. Um, and I've managed to do it in a way where I've got money where I could. You know the other thing I think with those halfbacks, halfbacks especially in KP as well, like I just look at halfback and I've got people messaging me going, I'm going to go cheap in Aiden Caesar. And I'm like... Ugh. mad like there's every chance Let's that doesn't that work for you like
3: when he has the buy around one and then doesn't get picked for round doesn't two. get
2: picked yeah like or like there's just so many there's i don't think at the moment there are not genuine genuine cheapies in those spots that i think you can move to to get those guys Jules, we are lacking a lot i think there's going to be a lot of people that are going to be sitting there in round five and six going holy fuck i've made eight cents on bud sullivan and Aiden Caesar, and now I can't get to the superstars scoring 150 every week. Uh,
3: uh, exclusive on the Beers and Breakhead podcast. <laughs> you actually go up in cents this
2: year. <laughs> They've really fine tuned it over themselves over Supercoach HQ.
1: Oh,
2: I, I can see it playing out like that, and I want to avoid it, and I want to have their three to four trades that I want to have at the end of the year. On the fullback spot, I just want to touch on
3: one other player just because I've had mixed preseason thoughts about him. Coming into the year, I was so keen to pay out for Reese Walsh because he's just a freak. And I think I think he'll do a pong where because he's getting more experience in the game, he's getting more confident, he's getting better and better and better. You know, he had a few, like, 40s in his game last year. Mm. The games that he did, like, he was an inch away from that 40 being 120. And I'm like, screw it. He's, he's a big prize. People might not pay out for him because of Ponga, Cleary, Hines, etc., and I looked into it, and I was like, the Vegas impact, the smaller field, round one, Broncos open the season with Roosters, Bunnies, Panthers, Cowboys, Storm, Dolphins. So we know the Dolphins will get up for that game. And I just went, I
2: wanted him so bad. I think we're gonna have to pot him with that. All those factors. If I was a betting man, I would say you still end up with him. You love Reese Walsh, so you love Reese Walsh more than Reese Walsh loves Reese Walsh, which is wild. It's a big, yeah, to be called probably valid. huge
3: call. Uh, yeah, so it, it, it's possible. I don't <laughs> I don't think it will happen because of Vegas. I'm also terrified as to what the players are going to get up to in Vegas and yeah. who is going to be the first one yeah. to be barred for three games for carrying on like a pork chop.
2: Yeah, you probably won't get many girls over there too. No, so I don't like. reckon.
3: No. Nah. Yeah. Nah. So, yeah, I'm going cold on Reese Walsh, but –
2: a nice little, hopefully, round f- six, seven target. Reese Walsh is still a guy for me. Last year, when he was really cheap at that point, we were able to bring him in. I was on board, but I still, I, I just don't look at him the same as Heinz, Cleary, KP, Turbo. Maybe I'm wrong, but I just, I, and I also, this Broncos team, I think. I'm not sure how it's going to go for Brisbane. I I think they'll be a top four side. But, mate, history tells us with a young team, you lose a grand final. It can be costly at times. I mean, you have a look at, you know, the last two teams to be in a grand final before Brisbane were Parramatta and South Sydney both missed the fucking finals this year. Penrith, make staying at the top look easy. It's not. I think everything that you've
3: just said is just a ploy to appeal to my (laughs) competitive side to make me go, screw you! I'm getting Reese Walsh.
2: Oh, I'd love to say I'd, I would be happy for you to take him. I think
3: Reese Walsh, conservative me of 2023 would have said averages 90 plus this year. I think he can average 95 plus this year. That being said, I think the damage is probably done from round six onwards.
2: Yeah, i I don't think he averages over 90. I'm very confident in saying that. I think it will be well below that, uh, mate. Honestly. When I look at his games last year, he doesn't have a single game where he didn't play 80 minutes, so there's no reduced scores or anything in there. Could last year have gone any better for the Brisbane Broncos? Probably not. He averaged 80.
3: Yes, but he's also getting substantially better with every game of football that he plays. He's, what, 21, 22 years old or something? Yep. I just think he's getting better and better and better.
2: He'd want to be. His last five games, he's based out at 18, 13, 16, 17, 19. Scott Drinkwater based about six per game and average about Which is 80. why I don't have Scott Drinkwater in that class either though. Yeah, yeah. That That's my worry that when he goes low, he goes low. And yeah, you know what? You know, you have a look in his last five or six weeks. He had 111, 123, 141, which I can get from some of these other absolute superstars as well, mm. but they're not going to throw me out 22, 44, 33, 38, 23. That's my worry with Richie Walsh.
3: You know, other blokes that... I'll name some stats from bloke. What are we? What was the year? 2022. Yep. Scores of 44, 9, 43, 35, 31, 50, 53. Top score of 86. His name was Caelan Ponga, and he was older than Reese Walsh at the time. More settled, more experienced. Reese Walsh is only getting
2: better, just like Caelan Ponga did. Yep. If Reese Walsh gains the goal kicking, I'm happy to have that conversation. I I I, I think his, his floor is too low for me. In a young side who's dealing with a lot of shit, they just let Kurt Kate will walk out the door too, which I think is a very interesting move, mm. losing experience. Um, I'm not against the Broncos regression either. I just think... Walsh is going from
3: strength to strength.
2: He is. Yeah, yeah. there's no doubt about that whatsoever. He is going from strength to strength. I just, yeah, I, I look at games here where he's had creative stats 44 and he had 38 innovating stats and he doesn't score 100. Like he just has to do so much to score for me. Whereas I find these other guys, they just stack up points without doing fuck all. Which maybe it's a super coach thing. I don't. I don't, I don't care, but it's just the reality yeah. of it. Yeah.
3: Um, anyway, like I'm, I'm pretty content on not going despite yeah. all that. Not going uh, draw Vegas. Yeah. He's a, a big prize. so there's there are enough red flags there that, and he does have a low score on him. Yeah. So I don't think it's worth it. But from like round five six, lock and load.
2: And where I haven't looked at their draw yet, but there will be a point this year where Brisbane play. St. George, the Titans. Oh, I don't want to offend yeah. anyone here, but four or five teams that are battling yeah, in a yeah, row, yeah. and then Reese Walsh becomes appealing. They no go
3: from round six. They go Dolphins, Raiders, Tigers. It's a pretty tough opening in the season because even then they go into Roosters, Parra, Manly. God knows what they're going to throw up. It's, it's a pretty tough opening to the year.
2: Yeah, yeah, it's tough. Yeah. Um. All right. Anyone else for that category, mate? Pretty covered, mate. Pretty covered. All right, let's move on to some guys that we potentially think are getting a little bit too much hype this preseason. Now, we will obviously start this by saying Tim's been knee-deep in BBL for the last few weeks, uh, so he probably hasn't seen as many of your teams and what other people are selecting and stuff. I've been having a pretty deep look into it. And there's a number of guys that I think are in too many teams, and I'm keen to get your take on them.
3: Yeah, I've looked at my team, and I've looked at player pricings and sh- team structures. I haven't, I haven't been looking at other people's teams. Like I, yeah, that starts this week.
2: First name that comes to mind for me that is wildly popular at the moment is Fletcher Baker. Signed with the Brisbane Broncos, coming from the Sydney Roosters. CR um, is leaving, as is Tommy Flegler. There is opportunity there at the Brisbane Broncos people are assuming Fletcher Baker is going to come in and play huge minutes I think he's in the 17 I'm not convinced he's going to be this huge minute guy that people are expecting Um, there's other guys up there Takura the young front rower who's as big as a fucking house Uh, I am very excited to see him and I think there's other guys up there like Corey Jensen Jaden Hunt that I personally think are a little bit more reliable than Fletcher Baker maybe my read on Fletcher Baker is horrible but I'm not quite seeing it yet what are your thoughts
3: when I look at players moving clubs, particularly ones that come off the bench and there's every chance that he plays off the bench for the Broncos, my eye goes straight to points per minute Yep. and how many minutes they played. So he averaged 29 minutes per game. So immediately you're going, all right, he needs to be playing probably 10 minutes more to be worthwhile. If he increased to 35 minutes, I don't think that'd be enough. If you got an extra 10 minutes, I'm going, okay, we well, like potential there. But when you're playing 29 minutes a game, I want a PPM. Supercoach points scored per minute for any first times out there. I want like 1.25, 1.3 points per minute. Fletcher Baker has 1.05 points per minute at the Roosters last year. The year prior was 1.09 points per minute. That was in 26 minutes per game. How it works is that I think every player of all time – I can't imagine they'd be on and who's who's gone against this. But when you go up in minutes, it's like a bench forward. Your PPM drops. So if he goes up to 40, that 1.05 could easily be won. There might be the odd exception where players get better. They get a license to offload. Things change. They might jag two or three tries early in the year as a front row or an edge back row or whatever. But PPM is – it's your core of it. That's your base. That's what you can expect. Anything additional sweet,
2: I'm not keen yeah, doesn't do it for me. I think there's also a very good possibility that they move Pat Carrigan to the front row and all your plans are thrown out the window in a heartbeat. And that's the thing with
3: the Broncos, with Pat Carrigan, Payne Haas, they have big minute middles. Yeah. They don't have, like, even if you look at the team like the Panthers where there's some decent minutes to go around bench players, like Fisher-Harris, Leota, they'll only play their 45 to 50 per game. They can play more, but they choose not to. Yeah, The Broncos have and are willing to play these middle forwards big minutes. Always yep. have.
2: Yep. Completely agree. I'm not – I'm far from solid. We'll watch him in trials and whatnot, see how it all lines up. We'll know early by teamless, hopefully. If he's starting, different mm. conversation. If he's on the bench for Brisbane, no thanks from me. Yeah. Mate, Villiami Kikau, uh, a guy with obviously huge upside. Wasn't that long ago he was the most damaging edge back rower in rugby league. Uh, moved to the Canterbury Bulldogs, had an injury-affected season last year. Uh, coming in reasonably cheap this year, good little value there. A lot of people have got him in. I don't like the move. I think that even when Viliama Kikau was at his absolute best and he was dominating on the left edge in the best team in the competition that essentially built their entire left edge attack around him. He was a back rower that was sweeping out the back of his <laughs> center. He averaged 65 and had 34 base starts. Uh, scored, by look of it here, eight or nine tries that season. Uh, he was getting a try assist every week because he was kind of playing second row forward slash fullback because Dylan Edwards would never play on that edge and he would go out the back of Isaac Tunger and Jerome Lua would just give him the pill. He averaged 65 that year, 35 in base. I'm far from convinced Canterbury have turned a corner yet. I'll happily fall on my very bloody sword if they have. But kick out for me, I think he's a bit of a trap. What do you reckon? I'm interested. Mm. Far from sold.
3: The preseason watch is almost not even Vili Army out because I think he'll be fit as a fiddle. I'm thinking he'll have worked his ass off on a very as a massively hyped signing at the dogs and trying to play nine games last season. I think he's going to want out want to come out making a big impression for the doggies. I want to see what the doggies look like. Yep. Because we don't know like I'm, ho- I'm expecting some significant improvement on last year. They still lack middles, which is a big question mark around them. Kikau's priced on a 45, sort of 46-point average or thereabouts. Years before that, 65, 59, 61, all in at the Penrith Panthers, where he was such a strike weapon. I do think at the doggies, he's going to get a lot. I know he got a lot at Penrith, and he was a focal point of their attack that's not going to change the doggies because he's going to be a strike weapon for them. I feel like at the back end of last year, they started using him with that sweeping motion a little bit outside the back of the centre where he gets a lot of try assists. Yep. I think they'll learn to use him well. I just think at the price, price on that average, again, I don't think you go too far wrong with him. And we know he's got that try scoring upside, that try, the, the attacking upside. He can set up tries as well. He can offload, bust tackles, do all that. I just need to see the doggies come out and show a bit in the pre-season. And in particular, there's a lot of talk about Matty Burton. Does he play centre this year? Who's who's the half inside him going to be? It's probably going to be Burton. But if there's a new half in there, you're going to be worrying about even combina- about combinations even more. So there's a few red flags. But for a bloke, if he's attacking upside at his price, uh, I'm not ruling him out for, for round one in my side.
2: Yeah, not looking the goods for me. Um, I, I get where you're coming from, though. You make some good points. But I just... And, you know, as you said, like when you're at Penrith and you're the attacking strike weapon and you're getting 60% possession every game, flip it to 40. It's tough. Yeah. It's bloody tough out there. I, yeah, he's not one that's in my plans at the moment, but uh, we'll see how it goes. Reese Robson, hooker's fucked. Mm. Hooker's heaps fucked it was, it was I hate tough. looking at Hooker at the moment It is awful It is Harry Grant um, A set of stairs Jeremy Marshall King Then a cliff face mm. To everyone else And they're just hanging off the cliff at some point um, Reese Robson uh, Mate we came into last year And everyone was hot and heavy for Reese Robson Everyone had to have him He was the big thing And we sort of said Look I don't believe he's a guy That's going to score 10 tries a season Um, we said we think he's more of a 50-point sort of guy, averaged 60-odd the year before, and um, last year was a huge drop. He was sort of exactly what we... He's a gun hooker, but he's not a 10 try season hooker like he had you all fooled in 2022. Yeah. I don't think you make any money here. I think he stays very similar. I'm expecting a bounce back from the Cowboys, but good God, like that draw couldn't have got better to start the season last year. Oh, pretty fucking average
3: yes yeah had a ton of tries back in 2022 scored two tries last season i suppose the one way you look at it is it's almost the flip to last year isn't it where we were saying he's not going to score the same amount of tries he doesn't have that enormous attacking upside the attacking upside and the attacking output was so little last year you're like he's got to have more in him doesn't he <laughs> than that you know I'd be willing to put a line through him if there was better options at Hooker. Yeah. But it is a tough position, as you said. So yep. he's a guy that I'm, I'm not looking like starting with at this stage. I said lots of things can change for now and, and round zero. But I don't, don't know which way I'm going to go at Hooker. Like yep. I would be happy to start with Harry Grant and just pay up for him. But if I'm going to sleep Caelan Ponger in there... I haven't decided on Cleary and Hines yet where I'm going to go with that direction. But if you're having all three of those and then you add Harry Grant into 750k, it's a lot of money. You then look at. It's easy to say, all right, cool, I'll get him in from round one and hold him for the season. I'd love to know the data in the stat around how many players we've started with in a year and had and not traded out by the end of the year. Mm. Because Harry Grant, you know, to Origin period where he's going to play reduced minutes and he'll, there's every chance that he'll be a sell before Origin one. So.
2: Are you saving that trade? Possibly. I don't know.
1: And that's where, yeah, like,
2: I said that about Hines, Cleary, these guys, and I'm, I, I I double down on that. I'm confident of that because even if they do miss origin games, I know there's every chance they come back and score 150. Hmm. Hooker is in that position. Yeah. And I know that Harry Grant had a couple of high scores last year. You can't even tell me how many fucking minutes Harry Grant's going to play. Hmm. Like, he's not, it's, it's, he's not the safe guy he once was for me. Um, and I like, I'm leaning towards Jeremy Marshall King as yeah. my hooker. Injury risk, HIA risk, 100%, no denying that. But hooker's grim. And I think you've got to make some moves there. I would rather save 100, 150K on Harry Grant by going Jeremy Marshall King and put that into getting a clearer hind so I know it can go 150 on any given week. Yeah.
3: Early look, I don't mind Marshall King either. I think yep. he, he'll play his big minutes at the Dolphins. Provide He had so many just niggling injuries last year and mid-game injuries. Yep. So, again, look, I haven't gone through him uh, in enormous detail, but there were so many games, particularly the back end of the year. Yeah, he left the game after 46 minutes of the game. He got injured 40 minutes earlier in the year. So he averaged 74 minutes per game, so not as bad as I thought. But this is a Dolphins outfit. That was in the first year. Jeremy Marshall King is getting better and better and better at that hooking role. King.
2: Harry Grant averaged 73.5 last year. Jeremy Marshall King, in games where he played 70 plus minutes, averaged 69. Mm. Yeah. He's very appealing. I find him far more appealing than Reese Robson. If we get to round one and Harrison Graham's on the bench or Cody Nicarima's 14, conversation changes 100%. But. Yeah. Mm. From my experience of watching the Dolphins, when Jeremy Marshall King isn't on the field, they're a different footy yeah. side. And you feel like Wayne knows that. I think Wayne's well. I, I think Wayne is actually filthy that he has to rely on a hooker so much because yeah. he never has previously. Yeah.
3: So, look, who knows? If cheapies emerge, what's to the say? There's not going to be a mid-range and a cheapy hooker uh, in round one in our hooker type I, I don't know this early out.
2: Spencer Lino.
3: I think we feel similar here. You want to take it away? Oh, he just... Ivan Cleary's shown with Penrith in recent years, even when they've had, you know, as I think I mentioned earlier, but plays out to origin injuries. He's never wanted Lenu to play more than that 35, sort of 40 minutes. He's never stopped, stepped up into that role. He's an explosive bench player. I just don't know he's going to get many more, enough minutes, additional at the Roosters to warrant any price increase, any major increase in scoring. I think unless there is a quote from Trent Robinson or Spencer Lenu in the preseason leading into that round zero saying I'm going to be a 45-minute or a 50-minute forward this year, I'm not keen and I'm happy to watch the first two rounds. If he does come out and play his big minutes, sweet, I'll get him round three because he's cheap. But oh, I'm not keen on him to start.
2: Yeah, fast, rewind that 30 seconds, listen to what Tim said again because I back that in totally. <laughs> All right, Payne Haas. Oh, our favourite February chat, Payne uh, Haas. I feel exactly the same as I have for the last yeah, three years. Go
3: back 12 years. months and just rewind the last time we spoke about it.
2: Yeah. Uh, neither of us had him. I, I didn't own him at all last year. Did you own him at any point? I don't think so. No. Nah. Didn't hurt us. He is the best front row forward in the game, 100%. Uh, but I really don't give a shit. I would rather have the guys that can go... 150 plus. Um, for me, I'm looking at Payne Haas going, geez, I can save two, 250K by going Terrell May, who I'm confident goes 50 plus every week at a reduced value. That's the avenue I'm looking down.
3: We just said we're, we're not overly keen to pay up for Harry Grant at, at the same price, 750K, in a really difficult hooking position where no one's really standing out. Harry Grant can go one twenty, one thirty, 130 plus. Like he's got big scores in him where there's some decent front row forward options, 750K for Payne Haas. I mentioned it earlier in the show, but building team value is the core of of how you make your round one decisions and how you're going to start with your team. And Payne Haas at 750K off a 74-point average last year, I just don't see how he goes up in value from there and increases your overall Supercoach squad value. We'll get into it. In the next couple of episodes, but there will be some mid rangers or some four or five hundred k forwards who are looking like increased minutes or better roles, whatever it might be, who might make you 200 k, and it's going to benefit you in the long run. I don't think Payne has like what was Payne has top score last year. He he didn't have a ton, didn't have a single ton. He's not going to come out and go one forty and then back it up with another one twenty and really hurt you as a non owner. So I'm just he doesn't interest me. And and then and then even like. Again, you, people, their argument will be, I'll get him round one, I'll keep him for the year. The reality, the chances of him being in your team from round one and being there all year are pretty slim, yep. realistically. Injuries happen, suspensions happen, he'll play big minutes for the Blues over Origin, so he could get rested, reduce minutes.
2: No. Yeah, hard pass from me. You have a look at his, you know, as, as Timmy just said, he didn't score 100 last year, which are the scores that hurt you. From his 20 games, he went above 90 on three occasions. And
3: as you said, mate, there's every chance he's the top, Averaging front row in the game this season, yeah. But he's not from my round one team.
2: Out of all the positions, I want the top averaging player. Front row forward is literally yep. the last one. It's the one I care the least about. Yeah. And it's the one that we'll, neither of us had him last year. Didn't hurt either of us at any point. I literally never remember coming into the studio with you on a Wednesday morning going, "Fuck, we didn't have pain." We didn't have pain. Haas. Yeah. He got eighty. Our front row forward got fifty-five. Yeah, exactly. <sighs> Instead, you're comparing your fullbacks and there's an 80-point difference between them some weeks. Uh, I I don't understand why people rush to get him so heavily. Uh, Last one. Tom Travojevic. I've seen him in a few teams. He's starting to pop up a little bit. Um, Touch wood. I am completely wrong. He's the number one player that worries me going (laughs) to Las Vegas. On that field. What is it, AstroTurf or something? What are they, synthetic? I don't know turf, what it is. Some, I don't, I don't
3: know turf what it is. turf isn't good for knees. I'm sure – it,
2: it just worries me. I don't think there's going to be as many points scored over in Vegas. Uh, I think that even Tommy – I mean, like, he, he didn't last year, to be fair, because they played Canterbury in that round one game where DC scored a hat-trick or whatever. I just uh, – if Ryan Pappenhausen is goal kicking, if we know he's goal kicking, and if we get to the trials and Ryan Pappenhausen somewhat represents Ryan Pappenhausen, I think he is the much better option than starting with Turbo.
3: Value wise, Pappy for sure. If oh, there, there's a few enormous pre season watches, how's Pappy going to come back? Yeah. Um, Huge. Like, you nearly can't have an opinion on him until we see him play. Yeah. Um, Tommy Turbo, 833K off an 81-point average in a stacked fullback position where we both said we're, we're pretty keen on Caelan Ponga. Injury, uh, I mentioned like I'm not looking too much into injury histories and injury concern this
2: year. Tom Treboy, which is an exception yep. because it's been an injury every single year. Uh, I will say in defense of Tommy Turbo, it has been an injury every single year. At least last year for the first time, it was a peck injury. Yeah. At least it wasn't lower body. Yeah. But we did get to round one and when he was in space, he passed the ball instead of running. Yeah. So, I yeah. And Vegas
3: factor. Yeah. Tough draw to start the year for them. They've got, I think, bunnies, roosters, power or someone not overly tough. A tough enough draw, going to Vegas, injury history, a lot of red flags.
2: Yeah, I think with Manly as well, I have no idea how they're going to go next year. No idea whatsoever. But... I do know that they're going to have a new 5'8, Luke Brooks. I know that Schuster's going to move. Sounds like Schuster's going to be on the edge. Mm. Sounds like Tommy Tullow could start in the centres. Sounds like they could be running with two hookers for the first time in four or five years. A lot of changes there for Manly. Mm. I'm still not a huge Seabold guy. Um,
3: yeah. If he comes out in the first trial game for Manly, makes a bast, and strides out to 100%. Let's reassess.
2: I apologise. I take it all back and I buy him immediately, 100%.
3: But let's see that. Let's see that moment.
2: Yeah. Because he will make a break. (laughs) He will at some point, without a doubt. Yeah. Um, Yeah. Very, very interesting Turbo. I really do hope for the sake of all of us that Pappy is sweet. I think it'll just make life a billion times easier. It'll be so fun again this year, fullback. Yeah. I reckon that people will ease on Turbo the closer we get to Vegas Mm -hmm. and everything, which could make him best pod play oh, imaginable at the same time but yeah wow how good is it to have a super coach back
3: oh so good jeez I missed it it's been one hour since I checked my super coach. BBL side I just
2: yeah <laughs> um <laughs> good mate time. it's it's very exciting to be back for a uh, big 2024 and uh next week starting next week we'll start to go positional wise
3: yeah I think that's the plan we'll do uh we'll go we're sort of doing right. this live so yeah, yeah we're sort of we're weaning it a little bit yeah Position by position each week, we're throwing yeah. some good topics, a few little super pods.
2: Where do you want to start? Should we start at like hooker? Maybe hooker front row forward. Sounds good, mate. We can yeah. pot paint ass again. Yeah, yeah. We've we've taken some pot shots at a few yeah. of those guys this year. This boy. week, some big boys as well. Big boys, yeah. All right, call it a day. Let's do it. Let's do it. Cheers, guys, for tuning in once again. uh, If you're on YouTube, please subscribe, comment, like, all the good stuff for us. Um, Yeah, that'll do us for this week, and we will see you next week. Position analysis kicking off Wednesday, 3 p.m., Beers and Break Evans, plenty of big announcements coming back. I think we've actually got a cameo appearance from Maddie the Waterboy next week, yes. So Maddie will be here, very keen to get his thoughts on all of this. If you haven't looked at it much, I'd love to see how much Maddie's looked at it. Do we just delay the positions and just chat about the bunnies for just now? chat enough? about the bunnies and the Talos duncan a <laughs> all Heaps, Kane. what well, oh. Ken Murray's a must-have. <laughs> oh, you too. Could you imagine? I that. Do you that. <laughs> Be a two-hour app. All right, guys. Thanks for joining us once again. We'll see you next week on Beers and Breakevens.